Hey Siri. Hey Alexa. Answers come at the command of our voice now. And Google is at the tip of our fingers when we need to know something fast or fill in the gap when you're having a conversation with friends, you know, and you're wondering what the answer is. Technology has become a great asset to us when we want quick answers. But have you ever thought that in our human nature, it actually might cause us to be impatient with how God answers us when it comes to asking him questions to our concerns or to our prayer requests or to our complaints? You know, everything is at the tip of our fingers, but with the Father, his answers might come a little slower than we like, a little slower than us just going to Google or asking Alexa or Siri, which causes us sometimes maybe to lose trust in who he says he is in our lives. Last week, Adam opened up our message series, Trust in the Trouble, talking to us about how God actually wants us in our complaints. Because when we trust him with those things, that means we want to let him know. We want to invite him into our situation and let him know what's going on. Even though he already knows, he wants that part of our relationship to be there. And so this week, I get to explore the idea of trusting God when we are waiting for his answers. And to be honest, we might not always like how he answers or how long it takes him to answer us, even though his answers are always the best for our lives. You know, from innocent childhood questions to adult discussions, life is filled with questions. Asking the how, the why, the when. We want to get to the bottom of things to find out satisfying answers. But not all questions have answers. And that, you know, are wrapped in this neatly packaged, you know, beautiful thing. Right? And Habakkuk was a man who sought answers. We saw this last week as Adam opened up uh, the book of Habakkuk for us. He was troubled by what he was seeing, so he, he asked the difficult questions. And these questions were not for intellectual gain or for bitter, just to be bitter about something, to complain about stuff. He actually saw a dying world, and it truly, truly broke his heart. He asked questions like, God, why is there evil in the world? Why do wicked things seem to happen, happen? And why do they, you know, the wicked seem to be winning? And he boldly and confidently took his complaints directly to God. And God answered, just not the way that Habakkuk expected. You know, every time God responds to Habakkuk, Habakkuk realizes that God's plans are always for people, even though it might look hopeless to the human eye. Through ruin, drought, wars, or whatever they may face, he chooses hopeful joy in the midst of everything going on. And Habakkuk's story really shows us that the righteous live by faith. Right away in chapter 1, verse 2, Habakkuk shows us his heart by saying this, How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Habakkuk is really saddened by what he's seen. And he's saddened by his circumstances and he pours his heart out to God. How many of us have been or are in similar situations that Habakkuk was in his life? We see all the things going on in our world. Uh, we see all the things going on in our own lives, in our family's lives, in our friends' lives. 
And we cry out, but we don't feel like we're getting answers. Or are we? Are we actually getting answers? But we're too stubborn to actually listen because they're not the answers that we want to hear or that we're expecting. See, this is what actually happens to Habakkuk when God responds to him in verse 5 of chapter 1. Listen to this. The Lord replied, Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. Right away, could you imagine just having back and going, wait, what? Can you repeat what you just said? <laughs> Verse 7. They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge far from far away. Like eagles, they swoop down to devour their prey. On they come, all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile ramps of earth against their walls and capture them. They sweep past like the wind and are gone, but they are deeply guilty for their own, of their own strength is their God. So here's God. He's responding to Habakkuk's questions and concerns by saying that he was going to do amazing things. So right away Habakkuk's like, awesome, I'm so thankful that you're coming through and you're going to do amazing things. But the next part of it, Habakkuk was not expecting, right? He said it was going to be amazing acts that would astound him, even though it was going to be through the Babylonians, a people group that were known to be violent and evil. This was not the answer that he was expecting for sure, right? I mean, he started off with, I'm going to do amazing and astounding things. And then he follows it up with, through the Babylonians. See, when circumstances in our lives become almost unbearable, and when we have wondered if God has forgotten us, we get to remember who he is because of the stories that are told throughout our Bibles. And this is one of those stories. See, God is faithful, and he always has had a plan from the very beginning for his people to be redeemed. And he will sustain us in the waiting. So Habakkuk says, okay, God, like, I'm going to wait and I'm going to watch while I continue to pour out my concerns and my heart to you. Like, okay, you showed me what you're going to do, but I still don't understand it. So I am going to continue to pray to you about this. I'm going to continue to pour my heart to you, you know, out my heart to you. And this is what he says in verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guidepost. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. God didn't want others to miss what he was going to tell Habakkuk. He said, write it down. So there's no, nothing can be mistaken. Everything can be understood. Verse three, the vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, you know, he's already telling Habakkuk, it's going to be a little slow in the process, right? Wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. So I want to give you some context here to the stone watchtowers. Like you hear Habakkuk talk about his watchtower, 
right? And, he, and stone watchtowers were actually built on city walls so that the watchmen could see people, enemies or messengers, you know, approaching their city while they were still at a distance so they could see far away. So the idea of the watchman and the watchtower often used by the prophets in the Old Testament to show how they were going to wait to receive God's message. So this is what Habakkuk is doing. Habakkuk is saying, I am going to wait with an attitude of expectation, faith, and patience for you to respond, God. And God answers Habakkuk in his patient waiting. And actually, I joked with Adam last Sunday when he got off the stage that he stole my message for this week. <laughs> but honestly, I don't think we can hear this message enough. And I absolutely love this picture for our own lives, right? Like, how often do many of us stay in the same position waiting for God to respond when we actually should be moving into our own watchtowers so that we can be in a position to actually receive what he wants to tell us? Are we actually going to be in the best position to have an attitude of expectation to hear what he wants to say? You know, sometimes we can't hear what he's trying to say because we refuse to move from positions that we are in. You know, maybe you're, you feel stuck in your prayer life. Maybe it's because you need to move your heart's position. We aren't patient enough to wait and to watch. Instead, we make our own decisions, right? And we take our own answers and then we forge our own path because we're impatient. You know what? And that didn't actually work for Abraham or Jacob or any other Old Testament patri patriarch either when they got impatient, right? We see that throughout our, our scriptures. See, Habakkuk had to move his heart posture from complaining to a position of trusting that God would answer him. He had to have faith. So he had to wait and watch to see what God would do. So the Father wants us to do the same thing. He wants us to come to him with our struggles. He wants us to come to him with our struggles and our doubts. And his answers may always not be what we want them to be or what we expect. He wants us to have faith when we ask. And he wants us to wait and watch. And while we wait and watch, we get to watch what he's going to do in the process, right? When we wait for him to answer, then we watch and we wait what he's going to do. See, when we are positioned to receive what he's telling us, the Father will sustain us in our waiting. His good nature, his loving nature, his nature that only wants the best thing for his kids, that's the nature in our lives that will sustain us, right? That very nature of God is what's going to sustain us in our waiting. You know, there's actually been a lot of times in my own life where I've not been in my watchtower. Uh, you know, I've been not where the Father's wanting me to be when he wanted me to, to, to listen, to receive something. So I had to, with the help of the Holy Spirit, move my heart out of the place of refusal of what I heard to where I could be in a place of receiving to, uh, what uh, a place of receiving of him telling me what I needed to hear, right? You had, I had to move my heart from refusal to receiving because hearing and receiving are not the same thing. You can hear somebody say something, but that doesn't always mean that you receive what they tell you, right? So I had to move my heart to the place where I could receive what the father was telling me. I had to move out of my emotions of what I was feeling and into my identity as a daughter of him. 
And one of those times is when he called Adam and I to plant a church for the second time. I really, really had my doubts about not planting. And I had my reasons for not wanting to plant another church. And, you know, our first experience when we were in Ohio was not uh, a great one. It wasn't a bad one, but it wasn't like a great one. And it came with a lot of sacrifice. And I actually decided I didn't want to put my family back through all of that again. And I thought, you know, I, it was just so hard on our little family at the time. And we went through a lot. And I was like, I just, I just don't want my, my kids as they get older to have to walk that out again. And I had actually had gone as far to tell God that I would never, ever plant a church again. You know, because it was just so painful. But in order to hear his response from my complaining about all that we had gone through, and of course in my stubbornness, I had to move my heart to receive what he was telling me. I could hear what he was telling me, but I wasn't receiving what he was telling me. And guess what? <laughs> I mean, uh, we did obviously plant a church again based on all of you that are listening online and those that are sitting with us this morning. Like, we did plant a church. So you can obviously guess his answer to my complaints. And here's the thing. The father did not answer me with words of discouragement. And he told me and, and not tell me all the things that he thought that we had done wrong. In fact, he actually reminded me a lot of the good things that happened in those five years of us church planting. See, he answered me with words of hope and things that could be and things that would be in our new church plan. And it wasn't the answer that I expected. Why? Because all I could see was our failures and the pain of the last journey. While my, mem my memories were filled with all the bad stuff, there was a lot of good things that he wanted to remind me that happened in those five years. You know, like, we baptized a lot of people. You know, we developed leaders who are now serving in other churches. We have had lifelong friendships that were built out of that church plant for now 20 plus years. And when I was diagnosed back in April, a lot of those same people reached out to us and have been my prayer warriors through my journey of cancer. You know, the father knew that, yes, we had obstacles in those past five years, but he also knew the good things that had been done. And he knew that the journey ahead would not be easy for us planting a second church but, and that we would have to have more obstacles like overcome and that we would have challenges to face. But he saw the full picture when I couldn't. He saw the full plan when I didn't want to, right? I could only see my questions and my doubts. And so when I moved my heart from this place of not wanting to hear to a place of receiving from him, it birthed the trust in me. It birthed a faith in me and a quiet hope for what actually laid ahead. You see, if you're operating from your emotion all the time, all you are ever going to see is your pain. You're never actually going to see what the, the Father has for you in the future. Hopeful joy, like Habakkuk, actually means going beyond the unpleasant daily experiences that we face so that we actually can have the joy of knowing the Father. See, we live by faith and trusting Him not by the benefits or the happiness or the successes that we may experience in this life. When we live with a place of expectation in our watchtower waiting patiently, our hope will come from God and not our circumstances. See, the Father wants to sustain us. He wants to sustain us in our waiting. 
Author Graham Cook puts it this way in his book, The Language of a Promise. Faith is confident expectation. Patience is calmness and composure. The two combined produce a fortitude and a consistency. There is a serene persistence that allows us to keep God in our sights and rejoice in him. I want to give you a really fun example from our life right now. We have nine-year-old twin girls, and over the summer, the twins kept asking for a turtle. Like, they had a confident faith, and they were super persistent with Adam and I that we would give into the request. Like, it was a daily conversation. I'd be sitting on the patio enjoying my cup of coffee, and they would come out in the morning bright and early and talk to me about this turtle. And then they would talk to their dad about this turtle. Like, all summer long, they they were trying to convince us to buy them a turtle. And to the point to like, if we weren't gonna buy them a turtle, they were gonna try to catch a turtle. That's how bad they wanted one. So they presented the request to us and they waited patiently, maybe, like, while we thought about it and Adam and I talked about it. We even went and priced everything out. And eventually we gave them an answer, which was not an answer that they had expected or hoped for, right? But they did wait. And while we would love to do this for them, like to buy a turtle, and we probably will in the near future, it's just not a great time in our family to do this. It's not, it's not a time to make a sign of investment. We already have two dogs, there's a lot going on, right? It's just one of those things. But I wanna, I wanna use this example because this is what it looks like when you present your request to the Father and then wait patiently, or maybe impatiently, for his responses. And you know what? Sometimes he's actually really quick to answer. And other times, we have to wait. See, sometimes our circumstances are so intense in our lives that waiting actually seems to last forever. And that's when we get impatient and try to take things into our own hands and make our own decisions. And, 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 a lot of, and that's because a lot of us are uh, facing our circumstances and our emotions rather than our identity. You know, when we, and I want you to hear this, it's okay to have emotion. It's okay to have emotion in your circumstances when you're walking through tough stuff. I mean, this was me just a week ago um, after coming home from one of my treatments. Like I was just a blubbering mess and I was in my emotion, like with Adam. I was just overwhelmed by everything and like the journey that was still ahead. And I was in the emotion, right? But I, I couldn't stay there. Like, we can't stay in our emotions. We have to move past them. We have to move from emotion to identity because as his son or daughter, we know that he will work all things out for good. It's a promise of his for, in Romans 8, 28. He's going to work it out for our good, but we can't stay in those emotions. We have to move past them and walk in our identity as sons and daughters. So we have to put together faith and patience so that we can stand in our watchtowers and wait for God to answer. And then trust that he's going to sustain us in the waiting. Matthew eleven twenty five 25 says this. At that time, Jesus prayed this, this prayer. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and revealing them to the childlike. Okay, so... Jesus is mentioning two different types of people here in, in his prayer, right? The wise and clever who are arrogant in their own knowledge, or let's, let's try to put it this way, those who try to do things on their own, who think they know better, right? And then he mentions the childlike, those who are humbly opening to receive 
the truth of God's word. You know, and last week, Adam challenged us to approach the father like a child with our requests. To humbly become before him like a child and say, God, I don't understand. I have all these things going on in my life. I need your help. I need your answers. You know, and just like the twins with the request for a turtle, they trust that we will eventually follow through with the promise that we made them about the turtle. Right? That we will eventually get them one. So I want to challenge you. Are you trusting your, the father like a child with your complaints and your requests? And, that, and then have faith that he's going to do it. Later on, a couple of verses down in Matthew 11, in verse 28, this is this. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls. See, Habakkuk knew in his waiting for God to answer that God would be sustaining him and that God would sustain him and this is what birthed faith in him, right? He believed that God would answer and rested. He rested in who he knew God was. He knew God to be a faithful God and he knew God would answer him because he did always answer him or he had conversations with him where he was answering him. That's why he felt like he could trust his complaints to him. So when God answered Habakkuk, he had to have faith that God's plan of using the Babylonians to deliver Israel was actually good, right? That even though it meant that they would see destruction and ruin and persecution, that this was good. The Babylonians were not the answer that he was expecting. But Habakkuk believed that God in his nature was good. And so he trusted him. See, it's not the, the size of our faith that's important here. But it's the depth of our understanding and the revelation of God's nature in our lives. If you believe that the Father is good and that he loves you and that he wants nothing but the best for you and your situations and everything going on, then you will actually believe that he will sustain you in the waiting. And when you begin to understand this and when you begin to walk this out, this is actually when we can begin to rest and enter into his rest. No, faith is actually sustained by peace. And we are to be at peace. And some of you might need to hear that. That it's okay to be at peace right now. When, when your worlds around you seem to be unraveling and they seem to be in chaos. And there's situations in our lives that we don't understand, right? It is actually okay to not be worried. Why? Because your faith is putting you at rest. You are at rest. And because of this, you can actually say, it is not well with my circumstances. However, it can be well with my soul. See, this is the beauty of the relationship with our Father and His Helper, the Holy Spirit, right? When we seem restless because we are still waiting for God to answer our prayers and our complaints, the Holy Spirit comes and ushers in His peace, right? Our circumstances may not look like they're changing or they're any different, but we can still be at peace. We can still be at rest. And actually, the peace, this peace and this rest that we carry is what we carry into our world. It's what we carry into our neighborhoods. It's what we carry into our workplaces and into our relationships. And this is the way that we actually, you know, speak, our actions speak louder than our words, right? 
The way you live in the midst of tough circumstances speaks to those around you. Why? Because he's sustaining you in the waiting. So how are you trusting the Father with your complaints, with your requests? Our past and our current experiences with the Father will help us believe in him for more at the next opportunity to climb into our watchtowers. You know, faith is exploring and pushing beyond the boundaries of what we know in the natural world. So our faith can sustain us when God's answers are not what we had hoped for. This is why in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 it says, For we live by faith and not by sight. Walking by faith means living in a way that shows we confidently believe in God's promises and that he will sustain us in the waiting. And when we confidently believe in who God says he is and who he says we are, then that is when we can move out of our emotions and into our identities and begin to see ourselves again in our identities as sons and daughters. So how are you going to wait? Are you going to wait for God's response with just raw emotion? Or are you going to wait for God's response to secure in who you are, no matter the answer? I want to pray with you guys. Jesus, I just thank you so much that you are, a, a, you know, you, you sustain us. Father, you sustain us. Holy Spirit, you sustain us. You usher in your peace. You usher in your rest. When we don't understand what our circumstances look like and we just feel like our world is crumbling and we've got all these things around us, God, that when we bring those things to you, that you actually want to sustain us in the waiting. That you actually want our heart posture to wait and see what you're going to do. So God, I just pray that you help us be like Habakkuk. That you help us climb into our watchtowers and trust you as we wait. And then get to watch expectantly what you're going to do. Be with us this week in all of our stuff. In Jesus' name. Amen.